All right, so I want to get into this this topic. Uh, this is, I think, this can be really fun going back and forth on this. Uh, the difference between personal training with just like anybody in the general population, um, or performance coaching. So the difference between working with someone from general population as a personal trainer. What is that career like? What's the life of a, like from the coach's perspective? And then what's it like working with professional athletes? And so let's go back and forth on this. I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes. Uh, like what's it like in different domains of working with general population? What are the ups and downs, the upsides and downsides of it? Uh, coaching general population uh, is challenging but challenge is something that you have to like if you're in this field mm. uh, you meet so many different people mm. with different movement patterns and uh, different body types and all these a lot of them have a lot of issues you know from from a person who's not able to move at all to helping them move and uh, get get along with life that's that's somewhere where you are uh, working with in a general population. Mm-hmm. Athletes, on the other way, they're athletes, right? So you've got you, you've got a person who's willing to move, a person who's uh, whose mindset is there to move and perform. Mm-hmm. So it's not a hundred percent a tough job for you to get them to come to the gym. Yeah. Because they want to improve, they want to do something, and it's it's a constant thing in at the back of their mind that I want to do better than my peers. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's with an athlete. That's one step that is that you already have mm-hmm. when once you start training an athlete, versus getting up in the morning and calling a client. Hey, we have a session today, and can you make it? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you start working with an athlete who has been performing for years. It becomes more challenging to continue to get more and more and more from the body. Mm. To get more uh, positive outcomes every single year, every single season. Mm-hmm. Then you you really have to dig deep into the science and the knowledge which is out there to uh, kind of program and individualize everything mm. for that particular athlete. You have to monitor everything. Versus when you're training per people from general population, a lot of times it is challenging in the beginning and then once your client, you know, since the body goals are, since, since there are goals which are more physical, and then you have, hey, you know what, this workout range of eight to 10 repetition, three to five set, it really works. And then you can continue to work with them and continue to get positive outcomes. It, a lot of times it becomes, okay, this is my trial and tested workout program that I can use on four different people by tweaking it a little bit versus working for individual athletes where you have to make sure that every single thing that you put in a program is catered to their needs. Mm-hmm. It's so different. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, day and light in programming. Uh, it's day and light in terms of working with two different people. 
were uh, also, but it's it's the same amount of effort. Or maybe say, if you are someone who really likes to work with general population, you give it all. Mm-hmm. And if you if you give it all, that's when you find success, and that's when you get your transformations. That when that's when you get uh, people to appreciate the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Same with working with an athlete. You have to give it all. You have to sit hours sometimes to find one small thing days sometimes or weeks sometimes to find that one small thing that can help them go from one place to the other mm-hmm. so yeah it's challenging and that's why i love coaching is it's challenging mm-hmm. uh the the moment it becomes oh this is you know this is my daily life or i can just go ahead and coach somebody and come out come back it takes away the motivation and even the satisfaction of me working and adding something to it so uh, if you're a coach who loves to add value, whether it's an athlete or a general population uh, or someone from general population, if you want to add value to what they're doing and that gives you satisfaction, then both kind of give you the same satisfaction depending on where your mindset is. Yeah, it's kind of fascinating. Uh, there's like some common things between performance coaching and, and personal training with general population and both have upsides and downsides like working with general population is uh you get a huge scope of types of individuals that you work with yeah uh from young to old from obese to non-obese from uh a train wreck of movement to actually really good movers yeah. you you get people who have uh, who struggle to show up who really struggle with motivation and some people who are really motivated motivated and, in, and somewhere in between yeah. uh, you have people who uh, are really ready and willing to change and and you can do sort of like multiple changes all at the same time and there's some people where you got to make just one small change at a time you got to do it as a long game yeah. uh, and that the challenge i think with personal training or or any type of, of coaching career is there's a relatively low barrier to entry Mm-hmm. Um, you can go out and get a personal trainer certification and you can call yourself a certified coach. Um, unfortunately, that does not necessarily mean you're a good coach yeah. um, because you can pass a test online and forget everything you had to learn to pass that test. Yeah. And then you're going out and you're just doing willy-nilly. And uh, that does not help the career as a whole because it creates this sort of... Uh, broad reaching distrust uh where like oh if you want to charge that much you gotta prove that you're worth it kind yeah. of thing um and it's kind of interesting because that cr- it creates sort of this imposter syndrome with coaches where they're like well i need to charge more because i don't want to live on the street yeah. uh but if i charge more people are always questioning why i'm charging more because uh there's still this persona of, uh, or this idea that many people in general population have is like, why should I pay a lot for a coach? Like a coach should not cost any more than a gym membership. And for some uh, gym memberships, it's like $25 a month, you know, or like in India, it's like 1,500, 2,000 rupees a month, you know, like, or even less than that. And it's like, but, the only way for a coach to have sort of a, 
a decent standard of living is to have like a bajillion clients yeah. <laughs> at a rate that a lot of people would prefer to pay. Uh, but if there, but when there are truly good coaches out there, it's like you have to always be ready to defend why you're worth it. Yeah. Uh, and there are lots of truly great qualified coaches who are always leveling themselves up or always trying to improve themselves and really truly add value to people and show care towards the people they're working with. And they're getting amazing transformations and everything. Yeah. But the general population, oftentimes people are really just looking to move better and, uh, and look good. Yeah. Look, look good, good. Feel, look good, feel look, good. Yeah. Look good, look good. More than moving well, it's look good. Yeah, look good, feel good. So you want to be able to have energy throughout the day to do what you want to do, and you want to look good. So that's why people generally hire a personal trainer in general population. Um, and uh, But the challenges of that is you got to deal with the daily life, that life demands that happen on a general person's life, whether yeah. that's job, family, you know, urgent crises, uh, whatever it is and uh, and sometimes that creates a lot of inconsistency and that is a huge challenge as a coach to create any sort of real change yeah. um, if there's that inconsistency because anything in life if you do it consistently you get better yeah. uh, but if you're not doing it consistently whatever it is doesn't matter what it is it could be any area of life anything you're trying to get better at uh, if you're not doing it consistently you don't really get better yeah. um, whereas uh like with performance coaching, it's like you have, it's not that hard to schedule them uh, because they're yeah. like, my life, my day revolves around my training. Yeah. And so oftentimes uh, professional athletes are more structured and they're, you're working with their sport coaches and you're figuring out the times that they can train, you're figuring out the load that they need. Uh, but sometimes there's even more pressure to perform because if, you don't get a good performance outcome, you're out of the job. Yeah. Or oftentimes the strength condition coaches around the world, they can become sort of tied to whatever sport coach they're working with. If your sport coach, the head coach that you're working for gets fired, so are you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of this volatile uh, coaching career. And unfortunately with uh, performance coaching, oftentimes there's a very big demand of travel with it. The way you work your way up to the top with the big salaries is you got to travel with the biggest organizations that have the biggest pockets. Yeah. And that doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. And there's definitely people who have managed to live a different life, you know, not have to travel as much and still get paid decently. But uh, that's a hard point to reach. And yeah. so there's like ups and downs. It's like, yeah, the it can be, you know, athletes maybe better movers, more aware. And so you don't necessarily have to add, depending on where you are, depending on the age of the athlete or the awareness of the athlete. But generally athletes are usually a little bit easier to coach, to get proper technique. Yeah. Motivation is up and down with anybody. Everyone's the same across the board. Yeah. But uh, they're already movers. And yeah. so then it's just more about improving their performance. But with general population, sometimes you got to, help them buy into the long game of like, all right, we got to rebuild your movement and your injury risk before we really try to maximize who you want to be. Yeah. And if, if you're a coach and if you're listening to this, is mostly training is about finding your own niche. Yeah. I've, I've heard of so many trainers who are really good, really, really good at transformation. Mm. Like they have thousands of people just getting transformed. 
Now, transformation doesn't really mean changing the quality of life. Mm-hmm. You can help a person look better, even if it's for a shorter period of time, but they achieve it mm-hmm. and they're good at it. Mm-hmm. So you can find a niche over there, right? Uh, there are people now who have who have who are getting more specific about, say, uh, issues like or working with special special population like people working with diabetes, PCOS, PCODs. So you've got personal trainers who are working and they've found their own niche. Okay, if you work with me for twelve weeks, sixteen weeks, I can help you lower your uh, uh, whatever we call it, sugar levels or mm-hmm. insulin levels, and then I can help you out to recover from, you know, your PCOS situation mm-hmm. in say, twelve weeks or something. So there, there is a huge scope as a personal trainer that you can get to, depending on how willing you are to put in that work, how willing you are to study around it, and how willing you are to. Uh, level up yourself and work mm. uh, so it, it is a great great place to be it doesn't have to be working with athletes a lot of times look fancy because mm. you are with someone who's known so you have all these other outcomes that come with it okay you'll, you'll get famous you'll be on their Instagram reels or you'll be on their stories but at the same time that's highly volatile yeah. If certain things are there and uh, you cannot perform, or you have even even your athlete is out of a tournament, mm-hmm. that makes a huge difference in your personal life. Yeah. Versus working with someone who's got smaller goals and you can continue to work with them and give them smaller results. Uh, the one thing with working with general population is you can actually show results on weekly basis. Yeah. While working with an elite athlete who is already at prime, it's really hard. Yeah. Like you tiny, talking, tiny improvements. Yeah. Even the point zero point zero five second difference, it's gonna come after years worth yeah. of work. Yeah. Right. So and and those athletes perform for an hour some at least perform for a sprint is like what nowadays it's 9.4 yeah, 9.5 so, <laughs> so you're working with athletes like these you're walking on like eggshells yeah because you have to prove every single time you have to bring in positive outcomes versus where the goals and the demands of the job is not as high or even you can achieve those things because with training, the more you have trained, your body becomes more resistant to training. Mm-hmm. Where so that's that's the scenario of a professional athlete, versus working with general population where you can actually show them results on a daily basis. So two different things. But if you find your niche on what you want to do, if you wanna work with athletes specific, you really wanna learn and understand the movement and even work with sport coaches to see what they're doing. Versus if you really want to get into working pe- with people in transformation or getting them to move well, live a good quality of life or even work with the conditions or issues that they have in general life, you can make a difference and you can make a difference. 
you're all that they need. So you can build up clientele who can stay with you for five years, yeah, six years, and they can continue to pay you for what you're worth. Mm-hmm. Versus on an elite, athlete, athletic level, there is a huge risk of doing anything. Yeah, yeah, it's true. There's different risk reward for whatever niche you want to go for, uh, and like I myself have, I go after the niche of actually performance, you know, professional people who want to maximize their performance for the sport they want to do. Yeah. Whether that's someone who is like a, I don't know, CEO of a company who wants to, who found the benefit of doing exercise, but they like are legit competitive at it. They're like, mm-hmm. I want to win yeah. this, whatever competition, you know, and they take it seriously. Yeah. Uh, or it's like an actual professional athlete in whatever sport um, that's the niche that I go after because that's where I've found that I thrive the most and where I have the most passion and interest whereas uh, for like aesthetic goals like getting somebody a six pack I don't know how many times someone has asked me how many weeks does it take for me to get a six pack I'm like almost dude your six pack's deep in that refrigerator so uh, you're gonna have to dig for a while like uh so, uh, like, how many, you know, what do you want me to say? <laughs> the thing is, the thing is uh, if you give them, if you give people hard pill to swallow, if you tell them, if you're a personal trainer and someone comes to you, how many, how many weeks do you think I can get it on? And if you're being honest, you'll tell, hey, it depends on different, a lot of things that you're going to do, right? It depends on how your body is adapting, your training age versus how, uh, the different tests that you can run through the blood uh, and figure out. But if you tell them, hey, you know what? Abs are just an outcome of what you're training and moving well. You've People, lost them already. Yeah, you've, you've <laughs> lost the client. You've yeah. 100% lost the client. So you have to, a lot of times, work with and within what your client wants. Mm. And tell them, hey, this is possible to, say, get it in 12 weeks. I can try and get you there. I cannot promise. But yeah, you lose a lot of clients telling them, hey, you know what? <laughs> Abs are superficial muscles that are going to look good. It doesn't mean that your performance is going to get better having abs. Yeah, I mean, uh, anytime I've worked with more aesthetic um, clients in the past, uh, I was just, I tried to be as truthful yet as encouraging as I could. Yeah. And it's funny, like if you're a trainer listening to this, you probably know exactly this kind of answer. Someone asks you like, how long will it take me to get a six pack? And so like my go-to answer would be like, you can make a lot of progress relatively quickly if you're willing to put in the hard work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just have that memorized. Like, so, it's like completely true. You can make a lot of progress relatively fast if you're willing to put in the hard work. Yeah. Depending on the person, that might mean a whole bunch of changes or a different person might be less changes. Yeah. But uh, you have to be as truthful as you can without telling them too much of the hard truth. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, that's a hard pill to swallow if you're like, I'm overweight, I haven't done anything for years, so that means I'm going to have to start working out, which means I'm going to be really sore. Uh, I need to start eating better, but I'm emotionally tied to the foods that I love, you know? Uh, or like, I don't sleep at all. Like that affects my lean, or like I love having beer at night. Whatever it is, you know, yeah. uh, you might be 
having to make numerous changes to make significant progress towards your outcome goal. And that's hard pill to, that's a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people. Yeah. But interesting stuff. It's interesting, different, uh, different life. Um, but I think even one other thing I say is like, if you want to get into performance coaching, working with athletes to truly get paid what you're worth, Oftentimes, it's not enough these days to just be a strength conditioning coach, to just know how to train someone physically. You need to be able to know how to work with people. You need to know behavior psychology. You need to know nutrition. And you need to know rehab. As much of a working knowledge as you can get, uh, you don't necessarily have to go to physical therapy school. You don't have to necessarily become a nutritionist, although that's really helpful. but you need to learn these things. You need to work, learn how to work with people because as a professional athlete, stress is cumulative. It comes from everywhere. And professional athletes have stress coming from everywhere. everywhere. They're putting physical stress from their training. They have stress from the media and who they're, they're telling them to be, uh, especially this millennial generation who lets Instagram tell them who they are. Yeah. Uh, or uh, they have the costs, the stress of like everything they have to say no to in order to live this professional athlete life, which is hard because you don't feel like a normal person. Yeah, There's so so many stresses that you got to know how to deal with that person. You got to know how to encourage them and help them find some positives. Uh, and if an athlete's getting beat up because their nutrition's off, their, their sleep's off, you got to know how to encourage them to work on those things one thing at a time. Yeah. Uh, a player is in rehab and you got to work with a physical therapist, the physio, to help them get back to play. You got to know how. You got to know that phase where you got to meet in the middle. Uh, it's not that they finish rehab and check their back to performance. You got to phase into like, okay, while they're in rehab, I'm training everything we can possibly train that's not dealing with the injured area, uh, and then as they're phasing out of rehab, I'm phasing them into movements with that injured area and building up capacity and building up strength and mental confidence that they can do what they need to do in their sport. So it's a, it's a process. You got to almost be everything as a strength strength conditioning coach these days, like to be a performance coach, to be able to call yourself that you have to be multidisciplinary these days. And, uh, if you want to be just a trainer, just a nutritionist, just a physical therapist, then go all in on that and you got to wear it. You got to be yeah. excellent at it. Uh, but to be a performance coach these days, you kind of got to know all of it. So you can sort of be that guy who can have a working knowledge of every topic that helps manage a person physically and mentally to perform. Yeah. Yeah. And that means you have to put in the time to learn. Yeah. Uh, not just from books, but from people. So investing uh in people as well right you you give time to say a good coach who you look up to like i always ping you and ask you questions and uh willing to listen that's that's one thing that i feel like this uh a lot of coaches today because it's highly specialized field oh i have done cscs so i'm a strength and conditioning specialist no, I don't need any more because I'm a specialist. So if, if we go in with this approach, we often tend to lose uh, on becoming better. 
So keeping open and learning from everybody, even learning from someone who's just a personal trainer while you are a strength and conditioning coach. I'm saying just a personal trainer, giving a reference to someone who's very new in the field. But if you see them doing something really nice and then you think, oh, this is actually something that I never saw or thought about and adapting and learning from that is something that is only going to make you a better coach. Yeah. Uh, a lot of behavior psychology comes from working with people. Mm-hmm. I am really grateful for the time that I spent uh, working as a functional fitness trainer because I got to interact with almost hundreds, 150 to 200 people every day. Mm-hmm. So understanding their mindset, uh, their local stressors, their stresses in life and how they take that stress, food, and they bring it into the studio when I'm working up, working with them really helped me to be able to understand the psychology behind a person who's coming to train. Yes, being an athlete, there is a different level of pressure, but again, it's cumulative, it comes from everywhere. Everyone has different amount of pressures, which if we don't think it's equal, but it, it can be equal. Yeah, so, it's all yeah, perception. Yeah. Working with more people, it, it really gives you an edge uh, to be able to understand what a person's going through. That's true. You make a really great point that it's like you can't get there, whatever kind of a trainer you want to be, you can't get there with just book knowledge. Yeah. That's that's really common these days where people just get certification after certification, but they're not working with any people. They're like really book smart. They got it all up in their head. Yeah. But when they actually get in front of a person, they're like, what do I do? You know, <laughs> and that happens uh, because they just don't have the practical experience. So you, you need both. Like, and if all you're doing is a practical experience because you got a good job and a good gym or something, but you're never bettering your knowledge through study, yeah. then you're just kind of stuck in what you just think is working, but yeah. you don't know. Yeah. Uh, and so you need a, a balance of both. And like, I didn't get to where I am, uh, by accident like I did a whole bunch of free work for yeah. years yeah. Uh, interned with uh, Kansas State Division 1 baseball I worked with CrossFit for a long I still do CrossFit I love CrossFit yeah. uh, it really benefits me a ton I helped start CrossFit gyms and mentor CrossFit trainers I messed up a lot yeah. I failed a bunch of times and like I even think of uh there was a pro tennis, one of my first professional athletes that I was working with, there was a, a pro tennis player um, and she was coming off of injury and I got her rehab probably by accident. Like I was just trying stuff. Like, But she had the shoulder impingement and then she got better and she was like, you're amazing. I'm like, yeah, I am. And, uh, and then, uh, but then she goes and then uh, she gets her knee jacked up whenever she goes. And so it's not like a bad injury, but I'm like, oh crap, I was so focused on her shoulder, I forgot to train her lower body. Yeah. Like, that was my fault. Like, I gotta take personal responsibility for not pre- prepping you fully for going back to tennis. Yeah. You know, like, uh, so you learn along the way, like, as much book knowledge as I'm getting through different certifications and learning from other coaches, yeah. um, they're doing awesome things. Like, you should always be learning from others. You also gotta keep putting yourself at risk put yourself out there and say, I'm going to try this and whatever the outcome is, I'm going to own it. Yeah. 
and I will congratulate you if it works and it's doing really awesome and I'm gonna make sure I remember to keep doing it for you and others. If it doesn't work, I gotta say sorry, I let you down. Yeah. Uh, and I want to be better. Yeah. And I've had to apologize to athletes before because I didn't prep them well enough. Yeah. And that's yeah. a hard position to take, yeah. but you have to take that humility. You have to come down and say, hey, I am trying to work as you're trying to work. And we both are trying to get better. Yeah. Because you don't have a rule of thumb, you know, if you do this, this will be the outcome. Mm. It is subjective to a lot of different uh, determinants or factors on what the outcome will be. Yeah. Some are in your control and some are absolutely not. We're working with humans. Freak yeah. accidents happen. Stuff yeah. that's out of your control. Yeah. yeah. Even that's how that, that's how it works in our daily lives. You know, uh, you have schedule with people. People get late, and then your entire schedule goes back. You're yeah. running ten minutes late, fifteen minutes late to the next client. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you you understand. Oh, this is people. You're working with people and. They are prone to a lot of things and everything can possibly happen and mm-hmm. possibly go wrong. Mm-hmm. There are some days where you're working on time, dot, 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 and you're home on time. Mm-hmm. And there are days where one person runs late and everything that runs late, you still have to work, you still have to give it what it needs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, adapting, apt, adapt. React. That's from Michael Scott. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, adapting to whatever field you are in with the best possible knowledge that you can. There is a lot of knowledge out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, not all knowledge is good knowledge. So, you really want to focus on from where you're learning things. Because nowadays, everyone is an influencer. Everyone has something to say about something. So, what are your sources of? knowledge that's a really important thing because we've been talking about in improving our knowledge and gaining more knowledge and being up to date with whatever is there but sources are really important yeah you want to make sure it's coming from trustworthy or peer-reviewed sources like actual like if it's coming to actual course you want it to be from a reputable organization yeah. uh, that is a great certifying body uh, or trusted uh, journal. Yeah, we can journals take a few names if, you, if, if someone's listening and they're yeah. interested in really reading. We can just take a few names if you like. What uh, what are some what are some of your sources that you go to? I mean, I usually look into strength and conditioning journals from NSCA. Mm-hmm. Uh, subscribe to NSCA TV where mm-hmm. coaches come and talk. Uh, for rehab and work, I have I look for uh, the the Ready State by Kelly Sayer. Mm-hmm. I actually read out reached out to him a couple of times and he was very responsive mm. and helped me out. There is David Gary Rehab, mm. and then more general like who really work on and tell you the techniques. Uh, Squat University, Move You. These are people who are working well with. Uh, in terms of rehab and movement and you can really get help and smallest of the things that you might not be doing but even listening to it or watching them you can actually get in it. it's profitable so yeah. some trusted source which put in who put in the work and they 
actually get in there. Uh, if we talk about podcasts, I've, I listen to a couple of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite has been Challenger Strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, he brings out coaches from different sport who are doing great and amazing and they talk about how they're doing in their lives and how they take training and uh, everything from growing your business to uh, growing your athlete Mm -hmm. and that's where somewhere we we all are so they talk about all those things Uh, what is the one that we both look into and watch Uh, the Huberman podcast yeah Huberman lab yeah. That's that's amazing. That's they're, they're putting out some pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, uh, it's pretty sciencey. Yeah, and so if you don't that know, how, if you don't, if you're not a, a fitness nerd, you'll have you will have no idea what he's saying. Yeah. But if you are in the field of training, then you should listen to that one. Yeah, I started a podcast. I was uh, sitting in the at the airport, and I was like, okay, maybe I should listen to something, and I started a human man lab podcast. It was three and a half hours. <laughs> That's a time commitment for sure. <laughs> they go pretty so, deep. Yeah, I, I continued to listen to it till the time my flight took off. But then after that, I'm still finding that time to just sit and complete it because it's deep. There is a lot of science. And a lot of times you have to pause it. Go read something about something that has just been spoken mm. and come back and restart it because... A lot of times you forgot a lot, forget a lot of concepts, a lot of terminologies, and then you, if something that you're reading is interesting you, you really gotta make sure that you understand what's being said. Yeah. So yeah, these are a few sources that I go to. Yeah, I think those are great sources, and uh, like Huberman Lab is very deep and scientific. Uh, let those scientists from their fields speak on those topics yeah. and but I, what i appreciate about huberman labs they try to give you very practical stuff that you can act on yeah uh make decisions off of rather than just talking up in the clouds and saying you know keep listening to our podcast so you sound smart you know but uh barbell life with travis mash is really awesome because uh, he uh he is one of the best in the world in strength and weightlifters mm-hmm. uh powerlifters and weightlifters um, he's fascinating to listen to because he is very into velocity-based training um, and optimizing performance with strength athletes, which is fascinating. Uh, but also, I mean, as far as people to look after, like look at what they're doing. How many people are they actually helping? Yeah. And what are they, how are they improving people? And so even guys uh, like uh, Marcus Philly, what he's doing yeah. with functional bodybuilding. He's helping people improve their function, their functional performance while also improving their physique at the same time. Yeah. He's building a, a very unique niche uh, using CrossFit and bodybuilding together. Yeah. Uh, and uh, But he's a smart dude. He's put his, put his time in and he's really trying to put out a lot of free content out there for people to better themselves and even become better coaches. Yeah. And so, but... Strength, Journal of Strength Conditioning by NCA is, is very good. Um, also, uh, I, I go to Precision Nutrition for a lot of nutrition and lifestyle behavioral science um, yeah. related stuff. And, uh, and they put out a lot of good content that's very agnostic. It's neutral yeah. uh, to help anybody 
And that's the, what the goal they have with those. They, they help you be more empathetic towards any person because it gives you a broad understanding. Yeah. Uh, there, so. was, there was a time when I went to all these websites, certification bodies, uh, NASM, mm-hmm. ACE, and downloaded their free content just to go through them. Yeah. Really? And, and it helps. It gives you a different perspective uh, to look at things, Some certain things you're doing. So when you find something that you're doing, it boosts your confidence. Yeah. It, it, you will feel like a different person, uh, to yeah. be honest. Uh, and when there is a new thing that you're not doing and you can absolutely include it, by all means, it makes you empowered to use that simple knowledge that's there. Yeah, and when, it, when it comes to learning from coaches who've already, you know, quote unquote, made it, you know, uh, coaches who are like doing well, yeah. who are succeeding at what they're doing, uh, you want to learn from them, like you mentioned with Kelly Starrett, like he was responsive. He's one of the biggest names in rehab, physical therapies, uh, self-maintenance, yeah. uh, improving your general movement functionality. Um, he was responsive. He's a guy at the top of his field, insanely busy. Yeah. You reached out to him, he responded. And that is a point that is worth bringing up, that if you're a coach in a field where... In a lot of fields, it's like a lot of it depends on who you know to help you get to where you want to go. Uh, but like coaches understand coaches. Coaches understand the coach life, how it's it's a struggle. It's a grind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, even successful coaches, if they are a good person, uh, you reach out to them, they're going to try to do something to help you. Yeah. Answer your question. Or if you want to learn, they'll point you in the right direction. Yeah. Or even if they're looking for somebody they've been wanting to mentor, they're just waiting for somebody to ask. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't hurt to ask. Go ahead and take the risk and reach out. If they say no, at least you tried. And sometimes it's, uh, you know, if you really want to reach out to somebody who's busy, but you really like their work, you can just approach them with, hey coach, I would like to get your time like on this. And uh, if you're willing, and we can talk about like, Sometimes some coaches want to charge you and if you look up to them, really, you can invest in getting some time from them. Mm-hmm. And uh, be ready, have your specific questions of what you want to talk about and what is the specific thing that you need from them. And uh, yeah, just be willing sometimes to invest in getting, because I mean, uh, talking about myself, I would uh, want to talk to a lot of coaches. Uh, sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes you wait for them to respond. Sometimes some of the coaches respond, some of them don't respond. But another way of learning for me is what I found is investing in their programs so that I can learn from what they're programming yeah. and what they're bringing in. And you break down that program, you understand what's going on and what, what is their uh, view in programming certain exercises and you know the load calculation and everything, and that really helps. So. And by doing that, you're also helping them grow, but the knowledge that you're getting just by looking at their program is gonna help you grow in so many different levels. So yeah, consistency, look out for who you want to reach out to, and even like if it, sometimes it, it does cost money. Yeah, it's true. And if you're willing to do that, and you know the knowledge that they have to offer you, you think it's worth it, then by all means put in that money in there. Yeah. 
It's good stuff. This is fun talking about like personal training, performance, how to get there, how to choose. Um, this is good catching up, good talking shop. Good. Uh, it's just fun talking about it. I'm sure we can get together on more podcasts talking about different things, especially as you get deeper and into your personal experience and your career and everything. So looking forward to it. Yeah, me too, man. Looking forward to it. This is amazing. All right.